Welcome back to episode 28 of the Resurrected A Winner Is You podcast. As ever, my name is David and I'm sitting seven nautical miles across from Mr. Alex Aldridge. How are you doing today, Alex? <laughs> hoi hoi, Captain. Um, what's a nautical mile? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's have a look, shall we? <laughs> a quick trip to Google, first thing. Merry Christmas miles, slightly longer than a mile on land, equaling 1.15 land measured or statute miles. wonder why they did that. It's fucking sailors, isn't it? They think they're well good. Their miles are bigger. It's all about mile waving with them lot. <laughs> Massive miles. Yeah. Much bigger than our miles. Oh, yeah. 1.15 times our miles, mate. So what have we been doing on the seas of... <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess it's from around the coast of Africa for the most part. Well, I mean, we specifically in this instance are in Falmouth, which I will point out to you right now is a bloody lovely place. To I don't think I've ever been to Falmouth. Uh, well, I mean, I can't, you know, we joke about this quite a lot, but genuinely can't think of anywhere in the UK you could go that's further away from where you live than Falmouth. Oh really? What like, is it? Maybe Dead, Land's like, End, like is Devon that, that, sort of area. It's, it's Cornwall, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, it's a seven-hour drive from where I live, so. Oh yeah. my goodness! <laughs> I can't imagine it's yeah. going to be like twenty-four hours. Oh my goodness! I can't believe there's a place in in the UK that is that far away from me. Because my assumption is like where I am, I could pretty much drive anywhere I want in the UK within twenty-four hours. Probably. I could probably get there. Yeah. Falmouth. Because, so Aberdeen to London. No, apparently it's 11 and a half hours drive for okay. you. Okay. Because Aberdeen to London is a 10 hour train ride. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to get about a nine hour train ride because I don't live, I didn't live quite as far south as that. So I'd end up, yeah, about nine hours. Got through quite a lot of Sopranos, and of course, I think I've mentioned on here before already that one time when I decided to watch Jackass three Good on choice. a train, Good and then obviously Is people that would be the three looking... D one. Yeah, maybe it wasn't that one then. It was the whatever it is is the the one where they drink horse cum, and I was, oh. you know, publicly watching a man drink horse cum on a train with people kind of looking over my shoulder with their children around, and all that. I thought, oh, I, I, I'm not a good human being. Speaking about drinking horse cum, I had to do my first ever COVID test over the last week. and Oh, first ever? Yeah, I think so. And I cannot do them without absolutely gagging my guts up. Well, you're like me then. You would be a very disappointing homosexual. Yeah. 
That's because I can't do it either. My wife finds it hilarious that I'm just sitting there like tears it, streaming. Yeah, as soon as it gets to the back of my throat, I'm Get, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like I'm going to die every time. And I come out looking like I've been violated, which I very much have. It's a truly awful experience. It really is. It's yep. harrowing. I came out with some sort of PTSD, I think. <laughs> there was a period in time where I had to do these for work every two weeks and I was doing them at work because then work would send them off to this well I, it wasn't the NHS let's put it that way so there was me, <laughs> me like heading off to the work toilet and just fucking like <laughs> <laughs> so fuck knows what I thought I was doing at that stage of the career so yeah COVID test not fun I doubt COVID's fun either but we wouldn't know because We've somehow managed we'll to dodge that safe. bullet so far. I did think that to myself today, actually. I'm, I'm quite surprised that, like, I've not got it, neither has Rach, neither of any of my family. Oh, yeah, see, it seems to be slowly making its way around my friends, so I feel like it's a, it's an inev- inevitability. At some point, I'm going to catch the old big C- COVID. I was going to call it the big <laughs> C, but that's something else. <laughs> yes, it is. That is um, cholera. Yeah. But Chlamydia. we're all okay. Yeah. Well, that's true, but that one's curable. I don't know if cholera is curable. I mean, it's what is it? Oh, you maybe never got that far. What is it that? Um, spoilers for Red Dead Redemption Two. People, zoom forward thirty seconds. <laughs> does he get syphilis? What does uh, Arthur Morgan die of? I think it's cholera. Oh, it could be. Mm, it's something I anyway. Definitely it's, didn't it's, get that far. it's quite a bad like infection that even by today's standards is curable, but takes like heavy, heavy. Um, antibiotics to fix it. Oh right, maybe cholera. Because you, you don't want cholera, folks. In fact, I may say you may be running the like rolling the dice. You may be better getting COVID than cholera. Oh, there's no question about that. Here's a question though: like when you were a kid, you st- we still have to get vaccinated for a bunch of stuff. Yeah, MMR so... is one. It's the measles, mumps, and rubella one. You get your yeah. BCG, which is, is that meningitis? Yeah, meningitis. Yeah, maybe. I'm yeah, actually not that. sure what a BCG is, no. But I'm thinking more along the lines of like, you know, when you get, um, uh, well, t- uh, tuberculosis. For tuberculosis, that's the one that Arthur Morgan dies of. Oh, okay. Someone but coughs like, on his face right at the start of the game. If we... If we didn't get vaccinated for these, how are we going to get it? I mean, well, they've you, done that. So, like smallpox got eradicated from basically planet Earth through vaccination, didn't it? Okay. So but basically, tuberculosis hasn't. Mm, yeah, I guess. Why are we still getting vaccinated for it? I guess Western countries can't be bothered helping out poor people. I guess would be the yeah probably the, probably the answer to that. Um. <clears throat> I suppose that's kind of relevant well, to what we've played. So, really, well, it? do you know? Like, because this is this is probably is relevant to what we've been played. Do you know what that guy dies of on the ship that gets like his? He says it's thing? not um, consumption, right? Which is an old timey word. I actually googled for... this. What is it? Because where they would have caught that if it was consumption. That is tuberculosis. Right. There you go. But he says it's not that because they said yeah we would have all caught it if yeah, that's what it was. Because that was on. Because I was Googling it, and he also mentions a place. So I Googled the place, and that's where they picked up the French people, I think. There would have been like a workhouse, and they went and just picked up those folk to work on the ship, I, I guess. Oh, okay. 
Who is it that is it the Indian guys who dive it? Yeah, I think so. And it's just put down to being really cold, right? Like a really bad. Yeah, which doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'd be interested. I wonder what they got. I don't know if I told you about this. But I was like, I found a thing on Reddit recently where they were talking about, they had like a list of, um, I can't remember what year it was now, maybe that's 1653 or something. And it basically what they were doing at that time was they were writing down basically what everybody had died of. They were making a record of what caused the, all the deaths in London in 1653 or something. Okay. And um, basically what it turns out as if is that if there wasn't so much like infant mortality in that time period. You, the life expectancy would be roughly what it is here. Really? For us. Yeah. So basically the stats are skewered. Everybody kind of makes those jokes. You see it in like family guy and all that kind of shit where if you lived in that time, you, you made it to like 40 and then snuffed it. Yeah. But that's not really the case. It was either you made it to like 70 odd and died or you died at, before you had teeth. Oh, right, okay. Because they had all names for it. One of the names was teeth. Like, the people who died, you know, the number of people who died of cancer was like 10 out of... Yeah, that, 10, must, that like was... Tens and tens and thousands of people. Th- that was just like some sort of wasting illness, right? They called it... Cause they called it wolf. Wolf. Because it eats you from the inside. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's I was fucking fascinated by this. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because um, yeah, of my head, yeah. like... Because of all the kids, then they, they basically ripped the, the yeah. life expectancy down. But it's not... It wasn't like that. It was if you survived cot death and all the other shit that happened to kids at that age, you would probably live to be quite old. So basically what you're saying is we can all drink and smoke and rub ourselves in dirt as much as we like. It makes no, makes no difference whatsoever. <laughs> Fucking what? Well, actually, this podcast should be morbid because that's what the entire game. Yeah, is. it's a very morbid game. Do you have or have you had any relatives who were heavy smokers that actually ended up dying of lung cancer? Because I haven't. They, I, all, a lot, almost all of my mum's side of the family were really heavy smokers, and not one of them got lung cancer. Not lung or cancer or any kind of cancer. Um, I've had, had a granddad that died of stomach cancer who was an extremely heavy smoker. That's the closest. Maybe that could do it. If, you, if he's really fucking taking it in, <laughs> it's like, like proper, like down to the guts. But yeah, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. Because my sure nan used to smoke like sixty a day, and she didn't get, she didn't die of that. So I think a lot of it's genetic, little, maybe right? it's a lie. You've either got that sort of gene, or you don't, where you're going to be yeah. supposed to get in it. And then if you've got the white, like, well, we don't know if we've got it, or unless you get it. And then, yeah. I guess, like, if you've got it, there's things you can do to minimise the chances of it happening. Would be my guess, I don't know. Yeah. We're a heart disease family more than anything, I think, as far as I can tell. Mm, I'm not sure what... The, male, the males in my family either live forever or they die really young. Or, I mean, young as in, like, 60. And then the, <laughs> the women all go yeah. mad. They all get dementia. Oh, well, yeah, that happens to my family too. I remember, like, every time doctors used to ask, like, have you got any history of any X, Y, Z in your family? They'd always be like, any history of heart disease? And I would always completely blank that my dad's dad died of a heart attack. Because <laughs> I just, I don't know. I never met the guy. He, but he, was, he died when my dad was 11. So, like, mm-hmm. my dad barely knew him. So I definitely yeah. didn't. So I'd, that, that's quite close to my lineage. There's only one person up from my dad. Yeah. Quite a young man. And I've never been like, no, no, you have anything. So I've probably screwed myself out of some kind of heart checks from a lot of competent doctors on the along the line. Yeah, your dad's still marching on though. Building his what's he working on just now in terms of models? 
Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. He keeps going to me. Oh, I need to I need to finish off doing your bloodhound. Bloodhound? No, that's Apex Legends. I need to finish off doing your Bloodborne stuff from the expansion packs that we bought, but he hasn't done them. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he's playing a lot of games. He still he plays games multiple times a week. Right, he's living um, the dream. He's, he is. Yeah, like... but I don't know what he's. I don't know what he's painting. That's a really good question. I should ask him. I should pay more attention to his life. <laughs> oh, you've got a lot going on. To be fair. <laughs> good point. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you've got an Apex Battle Pass to finish. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I've got an Apex Battle Pass to finish while a child is sleeping on my legs. Exactly, and made infinitely harder now because I noticed I had a quick game earlier today. I've noticed <laughs> that my shotgun challenges are also not working. So it's any weapon-related challenge is just not working now. Yeah. So PSA Thanks, for Apex. any of our loyal loyal listeners who are also Apex gamers, which should be all of you because the amount of times we talk about yeah. it. Uh, we are also getting screwed by the weapons not actually being tracked have you looked because i tried to google if it was a thing and it seems to periodically be a thing but i can't see much that's happened don't you hate that like when you try and google something that's happened to you right now and then yeah, the like only blog posted for like two years ago yeah, yeah. you're lost. like well yeah this is annoying that clearly this was an issue years ago and it hasn't been sorted but also annoying that it's only me and you are getting it right now it seems to have for me at least i wonder if it has appeared roughly alongside the the new event um, it has to be. It has to be, yeah. Which gives you another reason to hate that event, Alex. And hate Christmas, I guess, because it's Christmas-based. Yeah, exactly. I don't hate Christmas, but some people weirdly do. Uh, I could see a scenario in which someone wouldn't like Christmas. If you had no friends or family, it'd be pretty bad Or day. if you had too much friends and family and oh you my God. broke every year. Oh, my God, yeah. Getting crammed in. That's, that's one thing I've got. I've got a... I'm going to my mum and dad's for Christmas this year and obviously I'm looking forward to going to the house for Christmas but there's a lot of us being crammed into quite a small room that I'm quite already dreading. I'm just going to find yeah. a corner with some space and just not move. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, Rachel and I were invited to some like gathering at one of the NCT women's house with everybody. It's like something NCT zombies course. do, just gather in the car Yeah, park. she was just, she was like, oh, what do you think to that? And I was like, doesn't seem very safe, does it? She was like, "Oh, I thought you were just trying to make going to make an excuse that you like you just don't want to go. It sounds boring." I was like, "No, I just they've got like more cases of COVID in the UK today than any other day in history, so probably don't want to go sit in a stranger's house with like twelve other strangers." Yeah, so, yeah, I get that. She was, yeah, it's almost like we've just like I don't know, put it under the swept it under the rug so much that my wife was just kind of like, "Are you actually thinking about COVID again?" It's like, well, yeah. Kind of have to now, yeah. It's back, baby. Boosters booked and all that. Get minimum. vaccinated if you're listening. And if you aren't, if you're an anti-vaxxer and listen to this podcast, fucking turn it off and piss off. I just don't want you in. Yeah, just don't get your vaccinations, you man. Just, just calm down. It's a little tidbit for you if you're an anti-vaxxer. The flu vaccine that people get every year changes every year. So if, you're, if your idea is that it's not been investigated or tested enough, Neither has the flu vaccine we've all been getting every year for decades. So I actually didn't know that. I'm going to keep that in the yeah, back pocket. Yeah, so they basically, I, I, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about it and it, they weren't talking about anti-vaxxers specifically, but they were talking about developing the flu vaccine. And they, they usually, because Australia is just coming out of their flu season and we are going into ours, the sort of northern hemisphere or the western world, whatever, however it works, they use the 
basically the southern hemisphere slash Australia as like the guinea pigs and to see the the mm. sort of flu strains that are on the go at the moment and then develop their vaccine to try and combat the specific flu strains because obviously there's no specific one specific flu it's just a, a complicated yeah, illness it's, 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 that's how you keep getting it otherwise you'd never yeah. get it ever again yeah same so i guess it's a similar reason why people keep getting the cold you can't you can't there's no cold cure yeah. because it's just a it's such a complicated yeah bug. exactly yeah and um i think one of the things i i saw as well was like um people who go on about like the long-term effects of of the vaccine like there's no there's no basis around there being issues with the long-term effects because typically long-term effects have to be observed over a long period of time because vaccines are given out to a small sample size yeah whereas the covid vaccines begin out to like five billion people so that any long-term effects would have shown up somewhere quite a lot in those five billion people if they existed because people would just get them straight away anyway mm. so because they haven't that's kind of done the research for them yeah exactly <laughs> what <a> serious conversation <laughs> fucking hell we have look played... at this game's done to us i i yeah right well i know i know you're leading this this is you've got the notes for this podcast alex but i no, i'm basically the notes are all story-based so you tell me you just go for it i flip between so I, I i spoke to you about this privately but I went between thinking this game is absolutely phenomenal and being deeply frustrated and thinking, am I am I actually stupid? So like it was both it was just it was one of these odd games. I feel like a lot of the games we play are you either like it or we don't, we either enjoy it or we haven't. This one yeah. I did enjoy it and I think it was fantastic, but also there was moments in this game that I found deeply frustrating, deeply annoying and just made me want to turn it off because I'm like, I cannot be bothered. And the worst thing I did is I stopped playing for two days when we were playing through it. And when I came back, I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I basically just had to start tugging it and you just like picking strings and try to tug at them again and see where I got. Yeah. Um, and I had to, I had to basically just use a guide at one point as well because I did the same as you. I got to a point where because this game is so different to anything else we've played and because the the way that you achieve mm. success in this game is through sort of critical or lateral thinking or process of elimination or something or observation there was a there's an element to not being bothered like i can't be bothered to do that right now like especially as i just had a kid and then go you know, i wasn't working at the time but if i've had like hardly any sleep yeah and i think oh I've got to go back to that game I'm stuck on and I'm not stuck on it because of any like thumb based skills that I can overcome. I can sort of hammer my head against, you know, a boss of the game or whatever. This is just like, I'm going to have to go back and like think about it again. And I'm too tired and can't be fucked to go think about it again. Um, How did you find... And I think... Sorry, carry on. Like uh, the, 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 the guesswork that is inherently needed in the game, I think is what maybe not hampers it yeah there is definitely it's what made it yeah it's what made me less excited to go back because knowing that there isn't like a definitive way for me to figure some of it out and it's outright told me that just thought to myself like oh i'm just gonna have to go and like guess at shit which is at one point where i started to just get the wiki out and if i was really dead set on somebody being what they are or who they were but i didn't have enough other people to then have Mm. me like you know tick off the three i was just like right I'm going to put this guy's name in the wiki, and if it's right, then fine. I'm okay. And if it's wrong, fuck it. 
I'll just, I need to get through this because I'm just at a wall with it. Yeah, I found, um, so I don't know if you remember, but I sent you a video that was, was it a Polygon video? And it was yeah, basically, it was so. like tips, spoiler-free tips on how to play. I actually find that mm. video super helpful because when we first started playing, all I was doing was listening to the story and listening for names and trying to match up conversations. Yeah. Watching that video actually sort of put on a light bulb in my head that you can use environmental stuff to try and figure out who people are. Mm. And that that I found that really it was just like, oh my god, yeah, that's right. And then, like when you, there were sometimes when you got stuff, like I got the gunner, and his, um, and and like the the guy that deals with money, I forgot what he's called now. The purser. Yeah, that's right. Um, and just like I think I found both of those in in their workshop. Same with the the woodworker guy. And I I don't know how I got the two. I don't like because you get the the carpenter and the carpenter's assistant. I basically just guessed mm. those. I don't know, I, I, cause, or is there a way to figure out who is the actual carpenter or the assistant? Well, you're going you're gonna to find out because I will be telling you everything you need to know. The other th- sort of things I liked was trying to follow. It often didn't, <laughs> annoyingly, because I enjoyed it so much, it often didn't result in me actually being able to plug a name in a hole, but I loved it when you, so like you, if you would find someone that was injured and crawling somewhere, there was at least mm. two occasions I can think of where that happened. And sort of, going to different stages of the memory unfolding to try and follow where that person was going i thought it was really fun yeah. really really yeah, fun definitely uh, i can't remember what it was that you told me but there must have been something that you said where it was like go back it seems to me that the, the one of the biggest sort of most revealing scenes in the entire game is the bit where the guy's dying of the cold yeah. And there's people sat outside and some people are asleep and some people are sitting at a table and they're all speaking Russian and all that. And there was another bit as well where you told me like, oh, go look through one of the holes and there's somebody in a room. And I mm. think that opened it up for me in terms of like, I'm too busy staring at what's going on right here. And I need to get up and out and around and follow every, and just look at every single person in this room and try and figure out and then go, like you say, go back and see like, well, where have you come from? Have you walked out of a door earlier mm-hmm. on? Or have, have you been, I don't know, because there's one scene i think where so many people have stood together and that was the the light bulb moment for me in this game was just looking at that picture of the justice at sea and that's right and just taking a punt on who what they were based on what they were wearing so all of a sudden i got like uh, all the stewards i decided to just go for that's how they were the stewards all the midshipmen are kind of wearing the same kind of stuff and after i started to do that then i'd I'd narrowed it down enough for me to be able to be like right i'm going to focus on this guy and go find exactly which steward Mm. he is rather than just being like i don't know who any of them are because i wasn't really paying attention to clothes or anything like that i was just like there was something waiting um, for someone to say a name you you gave me an amazing clue that sort of helped and I, I, I now now i can't remember if it helped or it made me deep, <clears throat> deeply frustrated because i didn't click at the same time but i remember you talking about when you know how you can sort of match up the numbers on the hammocks to the crew manifest i did that yeah. and i only got like one i think out of it mm. and then i was like well that's it i've got my one but then actually you it was you that said that you can go back and match boots and stuff up and i was like oh because I was walking around all the hammocks and they just had their face covered, but yeah. the, but their feet were hanging out. So I was like, yeah, that guy with the tattoo, his arm was hanging out oh, as well. I missed all that. Annoyingly, I missed all that. I must have got it some other way. I think I, I think that yeah, I think there was something I was talking to you about as well because I found some of the 
like in some of the videos I watch, because there's so much guesswork that's it, like has to be done. Mm. People have really tried to like clutch at ways to kind of figure it out. And some of them, it's like this person was uh, upstairs on the deck and his bunk was open, and he's because he's this type of nationality oh, and it's with yeah, these other nationalities course. it has to be this guy because he's upstairs and his bunk's empty kind of thing or another one was like oh if they die they take their bunks down so if you get to a certain thing and you know somebody's dead there's that's one with the two brothers oh. so apparently one of the one of the brothers the peter's brothers the guy who dies right at the beginning his bunk is then never there again but his brother's one is always there until he dies so you can always figure out which was the Peters brothers is the one yeah. that died because, but that's if that's if you've decided to go outside the box and be like, well, they've obviously taken his bunk down because he's dead. But I would have never, have I never would have that. clicked that. No, I no, not something ever, ever would have thought about. But I mean, my notes, like I went to town on them. Um, I've got basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the story in the order that it actually I'm looking ha- forward happens. to this because I think there's stuff I and, missed out on. Like yeah, were to- like I think. Like there were there there was a bit in the game that talked about a stowaway, and I could just never figure out how how he was a stowaway at any point. They don't tell you anything other than than somebody was trying to stow away. They don't know who it so was. So was he in he the box that fell on someone? Yes. So there yeah, was two people that died in that. Did they? Was there someone yes. under the box? And right, because it shows you two different occasions with someone dying, and I was like, these scenes are just the same. Like, I yeah, like, yeah, they are. Right, that, that wound me sense. up as well because I was trying to sense. find out the name of it, and yeah. Um, do you want me to just go? Do you want me to just get started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to this. Okay, so Leah, yeah, what I'm going to do is, what well, do you want? Do you want to tell that? I mean, do you want to tell any listeners who are totally confused how you play the game, what the game is? Before yeah, I, I guess so. Um, right, so you go for it because I'm going to be talking a lot in a minute. The rough sort of. You are um you are an insurance man, I guess, and you are sent to the Obra Dinn by someone that becomes apparent, I guess, as the story goes on, to try and <laughs> yeah. work out what had unfolded on this ship that had had it had it appeared with everyone on board dead and people missing, I assume. Um uh, so it comes yes, it comes back to, to Falmouth uh, as a that's a ghost that's what a ghost ship is apparently. And that, that the name ghost ship means a ship that has nobody on it anymore. Right, okay. It just floats along with nobody on it that's that's literally what a ghost ship is supposed to be yeah so with actual ghosts on it you've been given so you can feel free to correct me but this is how i've picked it up is you you're you're an insurance guy basically just investigating a claim of insurance for a boat and you have been given this manifest this book that you've got to try and fill out and figure out what happened on the ship to then decide who is entitled to what if any compensation so basically your job yeah. as this person is to try and decipher the story on this ghost ship apparently um by um walking around the ship and and when you investigate a scene of a, a crime it's not necessarily a crime but of an incident where you find a dead body for example he has this sort of compass clock that you can pull out and then it allows him to see a still of something of how this sort of scene played out as well as a bit of the, um, yeah the moment of that person's death yes as well as yeah. uh, as well as maybe the dialogue in the what 30 20 30 seconds in the lead up to that yeah and then in addition to that you've also got the crew manifest you've got the layout of the ship and you've mm-hmm. got pictures the of drawings p- yeah drawings and picture uh, drawings um and you basically got to use that information to piece 
piece the whole story together and find out what happened from when this Oberdin ship left Falmouth to when it went down the coast of Africa um, and met its fate, basically what happened to the crew. And I will say, like as much as like I went, I swung between finding this game absolutely fantastic and deeply frustrating i think like my takeaway on this game is that it it is a really really special game and yes i think it is worth your time even if it's for even if you're even if so i don't know maybe like it's it's just it's a it's a game unlike anything we've ever played in this podcast and it's a game unlike maybe mm. anything i've ever played and something yeah. that like i would be very much interested to see come along again and what else the developers do because i don't know if you've got it but i did have a look up of the development house that made this game and it's they've got quite a cool or interesting history but okay we can, we well it's lucas pope that. was the was the is the guy who did most of it that's right if not all of it i think um, he's got some could, sort I... of i'm gonna have to look this up but i think he's got some sort of game spot giant bomb connection lucas pope okay well the, the man is it's, it's tough to admit when somebody's outsmarted you, isn't it? So I think that's potentially where our frustration with the game lies yeah. because the man is clearly very, very intelligent. And between this and Papers, Please has made two of the most unique games I've ever played. That the One thing I will, st- I will say, um, that sounds a bit cliche to really say it, but this game really does stick with you. It, it does. No matter how you feel while playing it, it, you'll be thinking about it for a long time afterwards. Um, and it's... It's stunning. It's like the dioramas that he creates of all these death scenes are just outstanding. Even if the graphics are slightly crude. Which graphical style did you use, actually? I think I went with LCD in the end. I went with the basic, whatever the the start was. Oh, you stuck with Macintosh. Yeah, and then I did start messing with it at some point, but maybe this says something, maybe this because I'm an idiot, but once I had started playing the game, I found it difficult to then see the ship in the same way once i started changing hmm. with the filter so yeah. i just had to go back to the old one um i did have a quick look and he doesn't have a lot of a lot of games in his history but the one that stuck out to me is this is the same guy that made papers please yeah which is also worth your time and yeah. is fucking excellent have you finished that right yes me and rach did that too. right That's i need to i need to go back together. and finish that because I just found I I find it's too stressful because there seems to be no way to like min max that game. No, there isn't. I, I, yeah, I think I must have had to look up a guide for that as well. Damn you, Pope! <laughs> you smart bastard. Right. So oh, sorry. Before you go on as well, like for me personally, I know like everybody has their own taste because I know this game was was hugely popular. But this is like if if you're talking about sort of intelligent in quotation marks video games. This is the type of video game that I enjoy in a as opposed to The Witness. To me, like The Witness, I just didn't yeah. didn't jive with whatsoever. And I, I know like like there's people that love The Witness that had like notebooks dedicated to it. There's another game as well. What's that one? It's like you're oh you're a little sprite guy and you've basically got to decipher a language. Fez. Able, Fez is another one. Um yeah, I just didn't. It's just like I think this is personal taste. Um, that's another one that didn't quite get me, but yeah. this one really, really got me. Until yeah. it didn't. I'm glad. I'm really glad about that. I'm glad it. I'm glad we both stuck with it and got to the end. Super glad. Yeah. Okay. Right. Strap yourselves in, everybody. I'm going to go through the story as it happens, and I'm going to tell you what you should have seen 
to lead up to either figuring out the characters or figuring out how they died whatever i've done so uh, yeah sorry sorry Shit, I, keep, of research I, I, on keep, this. I keep doing this but the interesting and valuable thing about this if you haven't played this game is that i'm assuming you're telling this in order yes. whereas the the way that the game's constructed until you've got all and even when you've got all the sort of stories mm. and and scenes put together it's very difficult to actually watch the game or the story unfold in order and you've got to piece that together it almost always mind. starts at the very end especially the very that last that, chapter of the that story. um the, bit, the game literally starts at the end especially the bit because there was there's bits where you can once you've unlocked them you can actually watch them in order but that boat mm. bit where they go off the boat bit so it's a whole movie game about boats but the bit where they go off in their own boats yeah that can't be watched in order so or at least i couldn't no, figure out you, no you're it. right no, you can't because you have to get the corpses of certain people from the ship, which starts at the end. And you basically got to watch the, it in reverse and then figure it out yeah. yourself. The pocket watch can. It doesn't ever tell you this, does it? It's just all of a sudden it starts shaking and he goes and puts it on a corpse within the memory of the one yeah. you're already looking at. And then it does this weird trail you of like. walk around like, and follow it. <laughs> yeah, which was sometimes really annoying because it had been like right next to the one you're and at. You and go away and come back. Like, what are you <laughs> Come on. And I did say that because I was like, I, I know you're coming back here. So I would just stand there and the trail yeah, would me too. stop. Like, <laughs> no. You've got to follow me, mate. <laughs> yeah. This is a video game. You've got to do some gameplay. Yeah. Crikey. Right. So in 1802, Captain Robert Witterall uh, plans to sail with a crew of 60 on the Oberdin from London. He's actually going to the Orient um, to Formosa, which is modern day taiwan oh okay um, which is a country yeah despite was it the chinese that they say it's yep. not? <laughs> <laughs> um we've so just been cancelled in china yeah we're, we're good we're dead now we're on a we're on a list and we're dead we're dead man um and he wants to go there by the way of the southern cape of africa and they've got four motions on board uh, and they bring with them this chest that's got a shell in it uh, and they they hide that, and they sort of constantly guard it as well. It's behind some. Oh, so they brought curtains, the, isn't they it? brought brought this shell on board. Yeah. In... So the foremosters brought the shell with them from the from the start. Oh, I thought and... so. Sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting you here. But I hope you do. I hope you do because I hope you're going to get loads of stuff. When they were carrying that, is it the shell they were carrying downstairs, and the guy sort of gets knocked over and falls and hits his head? Is that them bringing it on board? Or is that no. after? Is that a mermaid? Yes. Right. Okay. Oh, I yeah. Okay. I missed this shell being brought on board. Yeah. The, I, um, the only thing I clocked was obviously because it's it's right in your face is the chest that opens up and you can see inside space and time or whatever it is. Yeah, that's that. So they bring that on board. But there's a if you go right back to certain points, there'll be a foremost and guard stood in front of a curtain guarding it. So they they're guarding it the whole time. All right. Okay. That's so what it does is the ship then so we start off then in this this uh, chapter called loose cargo so the ship leaves from london and it stops in falmouth to pick up some supplies and while loading the supplies the cargo falls on seaman samuel peters and it kills him as well as this this unknown stowaway who's inside the barrel and this is what i was alluded to earlier where one of the clues I found was that bunks are taken down when people die. So if you were to look for a man named Peters, uh, or look for a bunk belonging to one of the Peters brothers, only one of them Wait. had a bunk for the entire game. Wait. Samuels is never there. 
Piers is the guy. I th- I thought Piers got killed by a, a sea monster. There's, well, there's two of them, remember? So there's, Nathan so there's a bit, and Samuel there's a, uh, Jumping about, there's one of the guys that says, please tell, is it Peter's his mum that I tried to pull him back? That's His first name is Peter, yeah. This oh, is right, this Peter's. is a different person. I was going to say, because yeah, 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 yeah. if, if that's right, I have stumbled across, because I spent a long time trying to find like, that guy pulling, trying to pull someone back. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy who's been stabbed. So yeah, that's basically all there is in that first one, in, in Loose Cargo. The second part of the story, the second chapter, is called A Bitter Cold. So as the ship sails south past Madeira, which is in Portugal, mm-hmm. uh, a bitter cold causes fa- a fatal illness to seamen Solomon Said and Renfred Rajub. Now, we can tell who they are because of their bunk numbers and because all the Indian crewmates um, are all in the same sort of block of them. Did you ever find yourself, because this is the, probably the first time I did it, did you find yourself sort of second-guessing yourself? Because you were like, like when he was, I think in this bit, he's like, Saeed, get up. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, it, must be, right. it must be the guy in the bunk. But then I was like, over. I was definitely overthinking it. I was like, but he could also be calling someone else to get up because someone's hurt. So I was like, is it, that Well, him? yeah, you're right. I don't that's know. <laughs> um yeah because you can see and and that's another one of the bunk beds where you can get the name because you can get the name of the guy who is standing over the corpse because his is the only bunk that's empty oh for goodness sakes there's four of them there there's obviously one guy dying in a bunk there's a man standing over the top of him there's another guy at the back and then there's an empty one um which is obviously where he's where he's come from um there's a scene as well in this where where there's a cow being slaughtered yeah uh we we can we can get the butcher from that because he's got a pretty thick irish accent um, we can also get Charles Hirschstick, um, because he is throwing up on his shoes, and you can hear a man say, "Never been on a farm, Charlie." Yeah. So you can you can figure out that like, that's oh, yeah. Charles. Let's go find a Charlie Charles on the manifest. Exactly. Um, we can also get the surgeon in this scene um, because he's basically presiding over one of the dying men in his bunk. I got the um, surgeon after the guy had died, so he was dead and. The guy was dying in the bed, and then there was the sort of corpse in the bag outside. That, that's where I got yeah. the surgeon. That's, and then that's I just in sort of pieced yeah. it together because I could piece together that room. I was like, well, the guy in the chair must be the surgeon's assistant. Even exactly. He was doing absolutely nothing to help. Uh, no, I think the guy in the, che- in the seat was the surgeon, and then his assistant's like stood at the back. He's just kind of stood there with his arms crossed because okay, the surgeon's we're like talking about, reclining. Yeah, maybe we're talking we're, we're, I think we're talking around the same thing. So the, the surgeon yeah. sitting in the seat was beside the bed. Yes, and then yeah, the, the other right. the assistant was reclining. Not oh yeah, sorry, yeah, help. you are right. Yeah, he's actually with the surgeon pretty much the whole time. Um, there's another st- there's another um, part where when they're dragging after the bit you were talking about earlier with the rowboat when they're all dragging them back on the surgeon's somewhere else and the surgeon's mate is there next to his surgeon's kit so dealing bit, with all the, the other bit people. The bit when I was looking for the surgeon's sort of helper. Um, assistant, sorry, that threw me off is there's a you stumble across the bit where the guy's had his leg chopped off. Yes. And he's like, Oh, you've been my assistant. The surgeon's like, Oh, you've been my that assistant got for... Me for ages. Yeah, because I assumed that the surgeon's assistant was the guy that had chopped the leg off. It wasn't so, until I, I. This is one thing yeah. I, I had to Google. So there's a bit where a guy says something in another language and I had to Google yep. the language. I was like, it's, And it was Swedish. I was like, Well, yep. There's one Swedish guy on this boat, so... <laughs> and then you realise it's actually the captain who was saying about, oh, you've been my yeah. steward for so long, and yeah. There's another thing that as well... That threw me right off. 
during the doom, which is where they get attacked by a kraken later on, the um, the surgeon's mate is in the bed in the surgeon in the surgery making the bed. Oh, is he? Okay. If you, I can't remember whereabouts that is, but there's some point there where the surgeon's obviously off doing something, but his mate is still in the surgery making the bed up. So you've got all these clues that he is, um, the second the sort of assistant rather than the the yeah. boss. That's it. Uh, there's also a numbered bunk in this scene, and it's got a pipe next to it, which helps you figure out somebody later on because somebody is later on smoking. Oh, there was a bit. There's also a sword in there that only belongs to one guy, oh. and it's a certain type of sword, and there's only one person from that nationality. But again, that's there like outside. Did you ever get hung up on it. stuff? So when I realized that you could piece together environmental clues. Yeah, I was in one of the cabins, and there was a pipe hanging on the wall, and I just became fixated on this pipe, looking <laughs> for this pipe and this person that had this pipe because I was like, "Well, it's you." Never found it. Never. Did. Well, that was how I had with the guy with the the lady tattoo on his arm. Ah. Just every scene, I'm staring at forearms, trying to find a guy that's got a tattoo of a lady, and it's like right near the end until I got it. It was doing my head in. Right. The third chapter is called Murder. So when they get further south into the Canary Islands, mm. second mate Edward Nichols uh, starts plotting to steal this Formosan chest that they've got on board of them. You can actually see one of the scenes that his steward is actually whispering in his ear. Oh, right, okay. Um, so he breaks into the cargo hold and he knocks out the guard, whose name is Hock Seng Lao, um, and then he opens the chest. But he's interrupted by Nunzio Pasqua, who says something like, oh, Senor Nichols, in an Italian accent, so you can kind of figure out that I, that's yeah, the dude I, I still killed. couldn't figure out why he killed him. <laughs> that, it's because he's, so he's Nick, so Edward Nichols is stealing, the, trying to steal the shell. He's knocked out the guard. He's trying to steal it. Nunzio Pasqua catches him, so he just kills him because he's obviously right, stumbled okay. upon his plot. Um, then, just seems so like then a massive what happens, overreaction. Well, yeah, I guess so. I don't know what he expected. Maybe he was going to get done for... I don't know what he was going to get done for. But obviously he wanted to avoid whatever that was. Yeah. Um, Hock Seng Lao is then found guilty for do for the murder of Nunzio, yeah. which we obviously hear because the captain's sentence is that way. Um, but he's, he's found guilty of murder by confession. So does he get which, convicted of the murder of the Italian? Yeah. And it's apparently... Um, one of the top men, the the Chinese top men, he's that he like is translating, and he basically it's assumed that he mistranslates a confession. He he tells the captain, Hock Seng Lao has confessed to this murder, even though obviously he never actually does oh, confess because right. he didn't do it. Um, so they, yeah, he then gets gunned down by a firing squad. Uh, you can hear somebody somebody trying to console Miss Lim as well at this point, which kind of lets you identify because obviously says something like it's the Taiwanese something. yeah yeah there's Taiwanese names or Formosan names at the time but I think it would be it's not unreasonable to assume that none of us are going to be able to really figure out which of those was a female name and which ones weren't so when I they say Miss Lim it yeah. kind of yeah kind of helps you figure that out um, you also hear him say Mr. Wolf when you're ready which allows you to kind of figure out who the gunner is if you can see him sort of he sort of points, doesn't mm. he, when he says to fire. Um, and I took me, it took me ages to figure out that all the all the guys shooting this dude missed except for one. 
Yeah, I, I was really proud of myself. Like, well, firing squad that killed him, so because I was looking, yeah. I was like, "Oh, all the bullets go by except the one," and then you figure out who he is, and actually, he was a bit of a troublemaker. He was. On. That was that was uh, Brennan. I think he's just yeah. a seaman, Henry Brennan. I think his name is. Um, the next chapter is called "The Calling." So Nichols is still thirsty as fuck for this chest. I didn't. I didn't actually click that Nichols did this so early on. I actually thought, yeah. He, I, in, in my head, I had pieced this together, obviously wrongly, because I'm sure the book tells you this, but, like, I had pieced it together that he did that at the end, and when things started, like, so there's a a bit later on, without jumping ahead, where they leave on a rowing boat, I thought that was that's when... This, it, that's now. Right, okay, because I, so I thought they were like, right, they're off in the rowing boat to, with some sort of precious cargo that they think they've stolen. Mm-hmm. That was when we were. I had I had it together. I just didn't have the timeline in the right order. I think. Yeah. So he's already had a go at it once, but he got caught by the Italian guy, kills him, but he still wants it. So this time he plots to steal it again. So he actually gets like a little group of people this time, um, some scurvy bastards who help him steal. They steal the chest, they, and then they kidnap Bunlan Lim, which is the lady, Formosan, and It Beng Sia. And then they all get in a lifeboat and they head off to the Canary Islands because you hear them talking about it, that they're trying to outrun the Obra Dinn. Um, and this is the dude, actually, uh, the top man called Timothy. His name is like a butiment. He's the one who has the arm tattoo. Right, okay. And this is So you see him. Um, he tries to stop them from getting away, but Nichols shoots him. He's like, you see him kind of stood on top and he's trying to get him. And Nichols has got like... Bunlan Liam, he's got that lady Formosan mm-hmm. as a hostage, and he shoots the he shoots um, Timothy Butiman. And you can also find as well on the lifeboat Alexei Toporov, one of the Russian guys, is smoking that pipe we found in the bunk in the the one where everybody's getting ill. That's when the pipe shows up again. Um, while they're out on the open sea, the lifeboats get attacked by mermaids. So one of the top man, uh, top men, whatever called Lee Hong. He gets speared through the chest. Uh, Seaman Patrick O'Hagan is speared through the, the neck. Are they the shell? Like, what attracts them? Yes. Yeah. The mermaids are trying to get the shell back. Right, okay. Um, you actually hear somebody say to Patrick O'Hagan, are you still breathing? So you can kind of get him from that. Um, you can Apparently you can use like the clothing to figure out that he is um, a seaman rather than any of the other right. people there because you've got top men of Formosans and whatever. Um, two of the Russian guys, Alarkas Nishkin and Alexei Toporov, they get dragged underwater. Uh, Bunlan Lim, mm. the female Formosan, she gets clawed into the th- in the throat. Yeah, that's, that's um, a bit rough. Yeah. She call- she actually calls out to Itbeng Sia at that point to help her. And that's how, you- that's how you're able to um, identify him because mm-hmm. he's obviously the other Formosan on board. Um. He's the one who was also tied up because they've obviously both been kidnapped, the two Formosans. So he actually uses the spear that's sticking out of Lee Hong to like cut his own rope. So Nichols Nichols kidnaps them. Why? And takes the because he wants them as hostages when he takes the shell away in the chest. Right. Okay. I don't know why he decides to kidnap them. Maybe they were guarding it at the time. I don't know. But he gets a bunch of lads together. They kidnap those two and take the shell with them and they fuck off. Basically. Uh, Nichols is just everything is his fault we can already tell from this early stage because the only deaths so far really have been cargo falling on somebody's head and everyone getting sick so everything else now is Nichols' fault Mm -hmm. he ruined everything yeah he did he made a mess yeah 
Um, so yeah, so it bangs the uh, there's a spear sticking out of Lee Hong. He, he uses that to cut his ropes off, stabs Nichols's mate uh, Samuel Galligan, and then he goes to the Formosan chest. He grabs the shell out of the drawer, the little drawer it's in, and he puts it in the top in his little tray at the top. And that makes these massive, like, pillars of fire. Is that I just, like, smash his hand out. into it for some reason? I, could, I never yeah. clicked about the shell. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, he, yeah, that obviously is what happens to the shell for some reason. It knocks all the mermaids out, um, but also burns his arm off and kills him. Then, for some reason, Nichols decides to pull all the mermaids onto the boats. Um, and you can actually see that each of the mermaids also has a shell in their possession. Oh, so every single one he brings on board, they've all got a little shiny shell that's like flickering there. He then heads back to the Obra Dinn with all of it. But when he returns, Chio Tan is the only Formosan left alive. And he's obviously really fucked off with Nichols for nicking all of his mates or, and, and the chest. So he just shoots him out of a window um, or from a window. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently, you can also see... Uh, John Davies, who's looking out of the fourth mate's window, which identifies him at this point as well. How does it identify him? Do you know? So he's looking out of a window, and yeah. if you look at the map of where he is, it's the fourth mate's cabin. Ah, uh, right, okay. So yeah, you can kind of tell that that's who he is because where he is based on the on the map. Um, the next we then move on to the next chapter, which is unholy captives. So this is when they the crew start pulling on board the bodies of the mermaids and all the dead crew as well as the chest. Um, Chio Tan, the guy who's just shot Nichols from the window, he's then hauled in front of the captain, and he's asked about what the mermaids are, and this is where the top man, Huang Li, is interpreting. So this is the guy who they think is the one who set up the confession earlier, who lied and said, oh yeah, okay. he's saying yeah. he did it. So Chio Tan says uh, that the shell must be protected or they're all going to die. Um this is the part where in this chapter if you were to walk around the ship at certain times you'll see all of the midshipmen together, all of the gunners are together, the surgeons uh -huh. are together and the bosuns are together. They're all hanging out together at some point in this chapter. So in this interrogation scene where the captain stood there, one of the mermaids then shoots the spikes out. That kills Tan and there's a guy holding him called Hamadou Diom. Who was from? I can't remember where he. Where's he from? Hamadou Diom. Yeah, H A M A D O U. Because there was a. I don't know if it's meant to be done on purpose, but did you ever feel slightly racist in this game for trying to match black trying dudes to, match to black races. sounding names? I did, but I, I actually yeah. found it quite difficult. Yeah, it was very difficult. I think that's meant to be done on purpose. Yeah. Hamadou Diom is a seaman from Sierra Leone. He was Sierra Leone mermaid in chapter five, part one. Yeah, so I don't, I couldn't even tell you where Sierra Leone is. Is it in Africa? There's something in our history about Sierra Leone. I'm pretty sure there was a, I'm pretty sure Slob, is that Slobodan Milosevic? Did Tony Blair not get involved in that? Oh, I don't know. There was a, quite a, like a mass a genocide in that country, I think. Oh, okay. Maybe that rings. Yeah. Let's have a Google a see where Sierra Leone is. Yeah. But it's in West that, Africa. Yeah, so there's there's as far as I know, there there is no way of identifying Hamadou Diom except for his race his, uh, matching an African sounding name. Okay. That's it. And and that has to be the way that he's decided he wants you to do it. Yeah. 
Um, so this is the part you were mentioning earlier. So this is where they're carrying the mermaids on stretchers down into the hold. And this is where the cook, Thomas Sefton, starts joking about cooking them up a nice meal from them, um, which obviously identifies him as the cook. Um, but unfortunately for him, he immediately gets like fatally bitch slapped by the tail of that mermaid. Um, and that causes all the lads carrying the stretchers to fall over. And then they drop the stretcher onto William Wasim's that's neck. Right, that's right. It's horrendous. It's like, yeah, that's a, that's a bad way to go. Yeah. Um, they then lock the mermaids and the chest in the lazarette. Um, now, this, this, the, the confusion around this next bit is what you were kind of alluding to earlier. This is where the captain steward, Philip Dahl, the, the only Swedish guy, nobody seems to really know why, but he, he just goes mental and cuts off uh, the leg of Seaman John Naples. Yeah. There's not really any explanation. Yeah, that's true. He's just really fucked off that they've brought this on, so he decides to cut a dude's leg off. As you um, do. Yeah, so obviously the captain gets really pissed off at him and says, oh, you've been my, my steward for 20 years, never questioned your sanity or something like that. So they obviously, they drag him away and he starts then, as you said, speaking Swedish. All the while, you've got the the surgeon, Henry Evans, is dealing with John's leg. And you hear him say, uh, all's fine, John. I'm sure you've had worse than this. So that kind of helps you figure out who it is whose leg is cut off. Um, What we find out later, obviously, is that Dahl, while locked in the lazarette, does eventually break free. He has a little feel of the shell as well, which also burns his hand off um, and kills him. So at this point, after this crazy shit going on with his steward the captain has had more than enough of this shit mm. and decides to turn it back and go back to england they've had enough so you can obviously see on the map they just give the fuck up and start going home unfortunately for them uh as they're heading back a storm hits the ship um this is where we start soldiers of the sea chapter this this electrocutes and kills one of the top men called huang lee the guy who was uh translated struggled with the top men me too this is the shoes, okay. right? Yeah. Um, we can we can identify Leonid, uh, one of the Russian top men, because he's the only Russian guy stood up there. It's a top man, so yeah. we can get that one. Um, and then yeah, so this is where these two like hooded crab rider blokes <laughs> yeah, are a bit odd. Just smash their way on the ship. Uh, Nicholas Botrill is a top man as well. He's immediately speared by one of them. Uh, I think it's later divulged in the next scene where somebody says it's already done for Nick. It's done for Nick. Yeah, I got that. Mm. Yeah. Um, fourth mate John Davies raises the alarm um, as then everything starts to go below deck. Uh, we have the carpenter's mate Marcus Gibbs. He throws an axe at one of the riders and he shouts, come on boss, in an American accent, which... Helps identify you which is which. And this is where they do like that. He does a little switch where the carpenter is the black guy and the carpenter's mate is the white guy, which is kind of like a surely a twist on that era of time where you'd expect it to be the other way around. Because there's a scene earlier. Well, I think, I made, earlier. I, think I, I, I made that mistake. I was like, well, based, oh, me on, too. The, based well, on the era, he's probably the, the, well, also, the black guy. Yeah, because also there's a scene where one of them is doing carpentry and another one's looking out the wall, the door mm-hmm. to some commotion and they swap it round there as well. So that like the guy doing the soaring is actually the carpenter and the carpenter's mate is the one who walks out the yeah. door. But I guess again, you'd expect it to be 
the carpenter because i got to the point where i was should have had those two right so i just started jamming it like i'm sure you did this as well you i brute forced a lot yeah yeah you think you've got two so you just start jamming names and stuff in and it wasn't until i switched them around that i actually had any success yeah and this is when i started panicking and looking at guides thinking oh but if i've got the death type wrong then i'm gonna fuck it up but when you look at the wiki a lot it's of the quite, death types, yeah it's quite it's quite forgiving yeah it gives you a bit of forgiving because there's one where like they get crushed by the kraken but there's also a cannon getting crushed at the same time so it'll let you pick crushed by cannon or crushed by kraken yeah you can get stuff a terrible like beast, um, sorry. yeah you can get stuff like it was um crushed by the kraken or drowned hmm. like if it you kind of just like either the it probably killed it but it, they also would have drowned yeah um where did we get up to so yeah this is where you see that the two who the two carpenter guys are um but the rider the axe that gets thrown at the rider the rider just like bats it aside then spikes him through the chest as well so marcus gibbs is gone um and then it what the other rider decapitates the surgeon's mate James Wallace mm. and top man Ji Zhang with its big claws. So I think there you can have like decapitated or clawed. So yeah, I think either of those type of things yeah. will work. Um, so midshipman Charles Hirschstick, he lobs, he throws a lantern at one of them. Um, it does kill it, but he also burns himself alive whilst doing it. I'm not sure how they pulled that off. I don't know if he, because it sounds like he throws it, but he's obviously stood right there. He's right there, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, we're uh, playing. We're playing Halo just now, and there's plenty of times where I've I've thrown those exploding cubes right at people's faces that are standing <laughs> right next to me, <laughs> or a, a fucking like beam that was above your head yeah. and you didn't realize was there. Um, we the uh the other rider, the non-burning alive rider, spikes the butcher Emilio Farrell to a wall. Um, and then it makes its way to the all-up deck and towards the lazarette, because it's obviously after the chest mm. and the mermaids and all that shit. Um, the bosun's mate, Charles Minor, tries to shoot it. Or it might be Minet, as he's French. Uh, he misses when he tries to shoot it, and he accidentally shoots Zungi Sati through a wall that he was hiding behind. Because that's the bit where we're actually, we're also on that side of the wall, mm. aren't we? We're all like next to him, and you can see it all through the porthole. That's the bit where you can look through and see the purser in his purser's cabin, Duncan. Yeah, Smith. I got that. I remember that bit. Yeah, you can Duncan also get the the, the gunner and the gunner's mate there as well. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of instances of them to just like carrying guns around or yeah. handing them out of the wall, the door. Sorry, the little room. Um, and then we find the carpenter Winston Smith. Uh, he lures it down to the cargo hold. It, it clearly stabs him shitloads of times, but he somehow also shotguns it straight in the face. And he manages to kill it because he has that hero's death, doesn't he? Mm. And I guess, again, Lucas Pope's trying to give the the black carpenter, you know, he's the boss here, really. He's the hero who sacrifices himself, kills the second rider. Um, after this, we move into the Doom, which is where some of the the crew now have clearly like lost all the fucks that they had to give and are just trying to get out now. So you've mm. got people trying to attempt to flee on a lifeboat. So you've got... Uh, the purser, Duncan Mackay. Uh, you've got Seaman Alexander Booth and Nathan Peters are all starting to, they start to try and board a lifeboat. And then you get Lars Lind asks them to let him on as well. Um, Peters calls him a bloody Dane, which helps you identify who he is. Yeah. And blames him for his brother's death at the beginning by dropping the cargo on him. Yeah, I was so a bit baffled by face. how he was, it was his fault. <laughs> yeah. So he is, yeah, it obviously wasn't his fault, but he's obviously there. You can see him kind of like trying to grab for the rope at the very beginning. 
Um, in this scene, apparently you can see George Shirley and Wei Lee sitting together. Um, oh, so they're yeah. down below deck. They're sitting opposite each other. And only uh, Wei Lee... I think he was give us a pin in my ass. Yeah, George Shirley really did my head in. And I kind of brute forced it, maybe slash looked at a guide because I thought I'd got his shoes. But that's not the way to identify him. So the actual way to do it is, yeah, they are sitting opposite each other and there's only two bunks behind them. But Wei Lee's bunk tag is visible, so you can get him from that. Mm. But George's bed is all like messed up and on the floor. Um, but if you cross-reference that back to A Bitter Cold, which is chapter two, you can actually see George's tag in that bunk. Right, okay. And go and like cross-reference that to identify him. Because in this scene where he's sat next to the bed, the bed is messed up. But if you go find that bed earlier, it will have the tag and you'll get his name from that, which is just fucking crazy. Too clever for me. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately for the people trying to escape and everybody else, the mermaids have summoned a kraken. Which, uh, first of all, strangles the artist Edward Spratt against the bow while of the he's ship. A jobby, yeah, yeah. While he's <laughs> while he's going for a schwitz. <laughs> uh, the next casualty is Seaman Abraham Akbar. He gets crushed between the cannon he's lighting and uh, and the wall because the Kraken like pulls it towards him. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it also pulls Gunner Christian Wolf onto the muzzle of the lit cannon as it's going off. That's when George Shirley dies as well. Now, George Shirley tries to pull him away from the cannon, but obviously fails, and the cannon shoots both of them. But George Shirley gets shot so much, he fucking disappears off the face of the earth. He's oh long gone. God. Okay, you don't want to get shot by a cannon, did you? Do you? Especially if you're stuck, because he's, oh. he's quite literally stuck on the end of it as it's going off, and the Kraken's just holding him there on purpose, just not letting him get away. Absolute brutality. That's the, that's the most affecting death I think for me. Just yeah, yeah there was, oh, it was those it was those cannon ones. That, like, I don't know why. I think I, I alluded to it when you spoke to it. Like they were just so they so affected me. And there's there was one where there was like a storm down below deck, and then someone shouting loose cannon, and you go down. Yeah, that's the guy who died a minute ago. Yeah. Oh, and he's he's just been getting crushed by the but his head's that just like about. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, because oh, you were goodness. talking to me, weren't you? Like the yeah. the phrase "loose cannon." Yeah, I'm like, oh, I was watching. I was like, okay, yeah, loose cannons were no joke. They would like sink a ship potentially. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the other, there's another guy who gets crushed. This is the guy actually. So the, this explosion dislodges another cannon, and then third mate Roderick Anderson. He's the one who gets like crushed into a head first oh, in a wall. God. Um, then we have the two midshipmen Thomas Lank and Peter Milroy which is what you were talking about earlier where they head up to the main deck with what I was led to believe was sort of cartridge bags or something Um, Peter gets grabbed by a tentacle and the bag blows up and he's just this big ball of explosion in the air Um, we also see in this part top man Omid Gull and helmsman Finley Dalton they both just get chucked into the sea by the um, by the kraken mm. um it really fucked me off that the helmsman finley dalton in the picture is standing holding the wheel and i never got him till so so late on but <laughs> yeah, he's in the I, very I first picture went, i saw seen. there was only one helmsman i went specifically looking for someone holding the wheel <laughs> yeah and he's there in that picture you yeah. can look at from right at the beginning um uh top man mabba who was doing mine and your head in because we both thought he was the 
bosun's mate because yeah. he gets torn in half because they say that the bosun's mate's torn in half but apparently we're supposed to recognize him because he's got western pacific tattoos yeah. and he's from new guinea which i didn't even know was in the western pacific or what their tattoos look like no i didn't get but that that's part. how you're supposed to know who he is but we then do later hear that the same fate happened to the bosun's mate charles minor or minay whatever it is um apparently a clue for him is that he's supposedly wearing clothing that's based on french navy uniforms for the from the 1800s the sort of stripy blue shirt like the um what's the perfume jean paul gautier is it yeah now you're saying that i'm like yeah of course but uh yeah i because i was looking at that guy for ages trying to figure him out he's i think he's the yeah. one that you would like if when you were like following around you would see him like he'd be randomly standing next to a pig he'd just be standing next to a hole like when they were like he would just be standing around doing nothing all the time like how am i meant to know who this guy is yeah he's very he's very seldom next to the bosun is another thing as well other than that bit where i was talking about earlier where they're all stood together yeah um yeah way lee gets pulled off some rigging that he's climbing up uh, and of this point as well, the lifeboat, you can see in the distance, can't you? The lifeboat's just been tipped upside down yeah. by the crack and they're all falling into the sea. Um, that was So that's Duncan Mackay, Alexander Booth, Nathan Peters. They're all gone. Uh, the bosun, Alfred Clestel, uh, he gets his arm ripped off. You can see at one point the kraken has got his tentacles around his arm and it's sort of like pulling against him. Uh, we also see the captain's wife, Abigail Hoscup, which rule? She gets, she gets crushed by some rigging. Yeah. Uh, she's calling out for her husband at that point, so you could, I mean, you've already got her by that point anyway. But apparently, in this scene, if you look in the, like, towards the, uh, the captain's sort of cabin, you can see the two other women, they're both cowering in the corner. Oh, I and one of them's got a wedding ring on, which oh, is Emily Jackson, because the other one is labelled as Miss Jane Bird, so you oh, know that the one with the wedding ring is not Miss i didn't see that i brute forced that i only saw this in a video that i watched i did not see those two women in this scene at all but they're basically like if abigail's kind of getting crushed by the rigging here they're sort of a little bit away behind her both sort of like cowering looking at her like that so the next scene the next chapter is called bargain and you don't get this till you've done everything else and you get right towards the end of the game but this happens next chronologically so after all of this stuff's happened the captain's just been attacked by a kraken his wife just got crushed that leads him to then just bust into the lazarette, demand that the mermaids call off the Kraken. Clearly, he knows that they brought it there. He shoots one of them, and then he stabs the other one before the last one finally calls it off. Um, then the third mate, Martin Perrot, he comes into the lazarette to try and free the mermaid, but it's spooked or scared or whatever, and it shoots him with spikes instead. So that was a nice way for him to go. He tried to be a nice guy, but nice guys finish last, or in this case, I don't know, 60th. Um, his steward, uh, Davy James, and the first mate steward, Paul Moss, try and calm the mermaid by giving it a shell. Then they carry the mermaid away. Um, with his dying breath, the third mate, Perrot, the one who just got st- spiked by it, he asks her to safely see the Oberdin back home. He says, see it, see it home or whatever it is. Um, then Moss and James, the, t- the two guys who just carried her out, they just dump her overboard with the shells just to get, get them off, mm. free her. Uh, Surgeon Henry Evans apparently then later I'm assuming I asked you this question uh, does he cut the monkey's paw off and then throw it in the lazarette yeah I couldn't figure that out because the door's locked so you're not going to be getting the the monkey in the face for what I could I was like well that was uncalled for yeah so he does that 
um, so that obviously later on we can use the time watch on the monkey's paw to then actually get inside the lazarette because it's locked. Uh. And they, they mention something about the keys gone. Um, oh, right. So the monkey must come along, put his hand through. He's like, let me out, mate. Chop it off. Keep the paw. Shoot him in the face. And then you can sort of see the... Well, I, th- I think he does it on purpose because they ask him what he's doing and he says nothing good. So I, I've i got it in my head that he cuts the monkey's paw off to keep hold of a part of it, throws it in yeah. and just blows it up. Yeah, exactly. Because he can throow it through the window, yeah. Because um, so yeah, when you're sitting in your study towards the end yeah. of the game, they send the monkey's paw. So he's got the monkey's yeah. paw so that you can see that Yeah, that exactly. Scene. Yeah, son of a bitch. Because you can't get in there with those, can you? Because it's locked the whole no, time. You should have taken the monkey. Absolute son of a bitch. Dick. Um, yeah. So Alfred Clestal, the bosun, he gets taken below deck at this point. He's got no armor now because it's been ripped off by the kraken. He eventually does succumb to blood loss. This is where he asks where his Frenchman is, um, and of course, there's only one on board. This is where you and I thought that the other guy was the Frenchman. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we can identify him at least as the bosun because we can tell that. The bosun's mate is French, so yeah. this guy must be the bosun. Um, he, but he also does uh, cast aspersions to fourth mate John Davis and gunner's mate Ollis Winter about Captain Witchrell and how he managed to get the Kraken and the Storm to go away. He says, you know, you're not going to get rid of a curse that easily just by, you know, just kind of going. Because mm. they say something like, don't they? Oh, it just left with the Storm. And he's like, yeah, right. Okay, lads, whatever. Um, uh, after that, in the next part, which is Escape... Uh, Henry Evans, along with passengers Emily Jackson and Jane Bird, uh, fourth mate Stuart Davy James, and first mate Stuart Paul Moss, they all try and escape on a lifeboat. Uh, Leonid Volkov spots them uh, and he kills Paul Moss with a sword. Um, you can tell because Emily Jackson says, Look out, Paul, or whatever it is, so you can tell who that guy is. Um, the captain at this point actually is the one who's saying, Let them go, just whatever, mate, just give up, just let them go. Um, Volkov himself after killing Moss then tries to get on the boat but Emily Jackson shoots him so that's the end of him and then the, the remaining four they all manage to actually escape Yeah, and it pissed me off because I didn't know where they'd gone but it's right in the first page of the book that they're in Morocco because the person who wrote the book in the first place is Henry Evans which I could not believe was so the very first they, page it must just let that's another example of the game letting you be like letting you off of being vague because I think I just said Africa and it let me have it well it doesn't say Morocco yeah so you have to say Africa right, okay. that's right and I think potentially you could brute force that quite quickly if you just went one at a time alphabetically because there's only like one above Africa so you could probably get there yeah. in the end um Below the deck, um, so Olus, Wyatter, and John Davis, the ones who were just with uh, the bosun, who's the one who's just said, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, the fucking Kraken left, did it? They then decide to mutiny to by taking the ship, sailing east, and they want to sail the mermaids in the shells. Obviously, they don't realize that they're not even on board anyway. Um, Thomas Lank uh, overhears them and then shouts about mutiny. Uh, this is where Olus Wyatter gives chase, and he stabs him. Which I couldn't find for ages because this is one of the ones you were talking about where the guy's crawling off with the knife in his back. Yeah. I just could not figure out who did him in. Then John Davies, who was in it, he was in on the mutiny with Olus Wyatter a second ago, but having seen him stab somebody, decides that he's gone too far, tries to take Wyatter's gun from him, which then goes off in Wyatter's face, which is another incredibly brutal death because it's like point blank straight up the chin. Um, then. 
First mate William Hosker and seaman Henry Brennan hear the noise. They come down to the uh, below deck to see what the hell's going on. Henry uh, Hosker goes after Lank, the one who's crawled into the yeah. cabin and starts bleeding. Um, so he goes into the midshipman's cabin as well. That's when you can tell who the midshipmen are and what they're where. Um, he also says he tried... This is the bit where you were talking about where he says, I tried to save Peter. That's right. He tried to pull him in. So we know that then, again, they're midshipmen and we can figure out who those two are. Um, Hoskett shouts to Brennan by name. He says Brennan being the surgeon's kit. And you can, if you scroll out and go into the main deck, you can see Brennan putting his hand to his ear to try and listen out for that. Um, Brennan obviously clubs uh, Davis to death because he thinks that he's just shot Wyatt on purpose. He calls him a bloody fool or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, what's all this, you bloody fool? He <laughs> fucking twats him. Um, that at that stage, then there are only four people left, um, and we get to the end. And this is where Captain Whitrow has now gone and locked himself in his cabin. Uh, William Hosker and Henry Brennan try to kick it down. Again, they want to get in and get the shells off of him, despite the fact that, again, they're not there. Um, so Witchrell, he opens the door and he says something like, oh, you can he says, you can have whatever you... You bastards can have whatever I want to give you or something. And he shoots mm. Hosker in the neck. Uh, this is the, when you the go around the back and you can see the guy jumping off the... Jumping <laughs> yeah. over the side. Yeah, this is like the very start of the game that we're yeah. actually playing now. Um yeah, because that guy's like scooting around the back of the of the captain's cabin while the people are trying to kick the door down. So Brennan then busts in the door, demands to know where the shells are. The captain tells him they're at, tells him they're at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, uh, they have a fight. Brennan just slices his neck with a knife, and then this top man, Lewis Walker, the last remaining man alive, tries to get the captain by surprise by stabbing him in the chest or the side rather. But the captain does this like wicked cool like spinneroony yeah. club to the face. Uh, and then, uh, dejected at having just killed his wife's brother, uh, he goes to his wife's bedside, shoots and shoots himself and says the name Abigail to her, apologizes that he shot her brother. That gives you quite a few people at yeah. the beginning. Because she's got, obviously, Hosker in her double barrel surname. And uh, that's how they all die. And then, as we've already said, it, five years later, it drifts back to Falmouth. Um Interesting thing here is that did you ever notice the the little shining thing in the distance off the side of the ship? I did, yeah. I assumed that was just mermaids farting about. Yeah, that's the mermaid who helped see it home ah, with her shell. Ah, right, okay. Um, so yeah, as you said, we're an East India Company insurance inspector. We're summoned to determine what happened, given this catalogue and the pocket watch, um, which was mailed to us by Henry Evans from Morocco. Um, where he tells you that he escaped to, so we complete the investigation. They, they leave the sh uh, the investigator, sorry, the inspector, that is us. We leave the ship as the weather's about to get worse. There's a storm coming in. After we leave, the the Oberdin sinks in that storm. That's when we do the full insurance assessment. Send the book back to Henry Evans. Then a year later, Henry Evans dies in Africa due to illness. Uh, and Jane Bird, the other one of the surviving passengers, she sends the letter telling him that Evans has died, how he felt about the performance. Apparently, you get a different type of letter depending on how oh, many dear, of them okay. you got at this point. Um, you get a chance then, obviously, to find out what happened in the lazarette during the bargain stage because of the monkey's paw. Um, and then if you've done everything correctly, the inspector will close his little book and stick it back on his shelf yeah. and pat himself on the back for a job well done. Some game, eh? 
some shit happens in that game. Yeah. I was writing down, well, I wrote down three things. I was like, I'm just going to write down things that jump to mind as Alex is speaking. We covered, fuck the striped shirt guy, because that's obviously the Frenchman. Cause yeah, because he was everywhere. Because in the pit, in the drawing, he's like stood near the the Chinese, the Formosan women. Yeah, he's like right he near them. Just randomly Why? hovering about. Couldn't yeah, figure out. Yeah, he was just never hanging out and doing his actual fucking job. So, what were they doing with the shell in the first place? Why was it being taken on the boat? Do you know? Now that I don't know. I've never actually managed to find out why the Formosans have this treasure. Well, they're they're going. the The, the journey of the ship is to go to Formosa. Oh right. They okay. want to, That's where they're supposed so they're to be going it. from London. So, it, which made me wonder, which is the second thing. Does that mean like potentially Miss Lynn is a mermaid? Where did the shell come from? Hmm. But why would the mermaid kill her though? Because she's sort of been a traitor. Yeah, maybe Boomer. she. The little, the little mermaid. Yeah. She's got some legs, yeah. And the other one I thought about it while you were chatting is the music in this game is awesome. I really, really uh, like the music in this game. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because, um, yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier, And but I love the music. It's so cool. I could just... Because the amount of times I would just kind of sit there with the title screen on as well and I was trying to write these notes out or try and figure out what the hell's going on before I start getting back in the game again. Um or because my fucking controller was doing all that shit in Steam again. Yeah. What's, what's your overall takeaway from this game? Is I guess largely positive, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the type of game that I'm really disappointed I can never play again for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it is the kind of game you can only really play once, which I suppose yeah. is the... I don't know. I mean, like, there's a place in the market for that, but it's a shame in respect to the fact that you're like, oh, this, is, this game was fantastic. I'll never never really experience this again i suppose yeah i mean whatever this guy comes up with next should be you know we should be waiting with bated breath for what this guy oh, does next because he's yeah. got some serious chops he I'm, knows... will, I'm willing to commit to that right now next time he brings out a game we'll be doing it on the podcast like oh yeah absolutely. let's um hang on let's have a look let's have a look at lucas pope and see if he's got anything coming up oh he lives in japan okay. oh, does he uh, both of his games have won the Seamus McNally Grand Prize, whatever that is. Whatever that is. Pope states he still plans to develop games that wants to keep these at a small size. Obra Dinn was meant to be a small-scale game, but ballooned out larger than he anticipated, and he wants his next game to stay small in scope. Doesn't seem to suggest he's got anything here on the go. Mm-hmm. Oh, he used to work for Naughty Dog. Is that where he came from? I knew he had done something we, we would know. Yeah. Worked on Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, and Uncharted 2. Yeah, and so I knew he had done more than just, Uncharted just 3. bloody papers, please. I just couldn't find it off the bat. Yeah. Just, uh, just it's an outstanding piece of work. Yeah, it's like, For one it's guy to have done that, yeah. the attention to detail, that, you know, it can, it can go over the head of the player and it can be unappreciated by the player. Or it can serve to even confuse the player because there is just so much detail in every scene mm-hmm. that we don't notice but the fact that he's managed to put all this in and tie it all together in a way that tells a story backwards and in parts that get interspersed with all the other stories that are yep. also being told backwards yep. is so clever and he's got like he had people to help him translate like old formosan language and obviously he got all these voice actors from the from these countries to do the voices and all the all that kind mm-hmm. of all the dialogue as you said, the music is fantastic. 
it's just yeah it's a it's an incredible piece of work it's just doesn't necessarily mean that it's entirely you know the most fun thing we've ever covered for this podcast but no but i can sit and appreciate it now and be like what a fucking achievement this absolutely. is absolutely it's a really special game and like you say I, I need to go and play papers please and i can't wait to see what he does next basically yeah have you got any final thoughts um, well, I guess well, I, I guess I always like to bring up. What, what do you think you would give it on the the old school winners you scale? To me, it's an eight five. I think. Yeah, exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, eight five. Yeah, I mean, like it's a really special game, but there's there are things that are quite frustrating about it that help held it back for me. But then also, would you want? I don't know. How, do you want it to be easier? Do you want it to give you an easier time? Probably not. I think the one thing that we both agreed on was that we would rather be able to go back to memories just from the book rather yeah. than having to walk up to the corpse Absolutely. and find them again. It did become uh, that, a bit that... of a chore by the end of the game, thinking, oh, I need to go all the way down to the bottom of the ship to find this memory rather than just be able to pick it and go. Yeah. And it's a very and it's important as well for stuff like this to, uh, even though we're appreciating how clever it is, but it shouldn't you know, be exempt from criticism because it sometimes feels like if you criticize a game, I always felt this way with the witness that if I'm criticizing the witness, it's because I couldn't get, I just couldn't get it. Mm -hmm. Like the puzzles just became too hard. And yeah. Like, people are I sitting like, with one of the moustaches. Oh, you just don't get it. You don't understand yeah, ex it. Exactly. Oh, it's too hard for you. Is it? It's brilliant though, isn't it? Well, no, I didn't, I just didn't, I just didn't enjoy it. It was boring. Yeah. But they had none of the personality of this. It just, it was just nice to look at and, mysterious whereas this is a like a proper mystery game with actual intrigue and a plot and all that kind of stuff mm. totally agree which i suppose brings us to the end of this episode right unless you've got anything else you want to talk about i do not, not um yeah, yeah do a bit of housekeeping i suppose head over to goobastomp.com to check out the the post for this podcast as well as i actually need to tell them but i've submitted the review for Battlefield 2042, peek behind the curtain, it's not a good game. No, and avoid. Alex, you got any Sega Mania updates? You up to anything else on <laughs> websites? Well, if anybody here is listening uh, to the podcast and is uh, actually a subscriber or has purchased an issue three of uh, Sega Mania, I guess I should apologise on, on behalf of the editor that you probably haven't got it yet. It's not his but... fault, to be fair. I mean, it's deeply no. frustrating, but it's not his fault. He's just been let down by the sounds of it yeah so i mean luckily um they have sort of identified and located the the issues that have not been delivered yet but they were the talk on discord today was you know they were saying if we don't find these you're talking hundreds and hundreds of pounds of stuff that's mm -hmm. been lost and with the magazine's going to be done they couldn't financially recover from that kind of thing so luckily they found them and the magazine will hopefully carry on because i've only written like one or two yeah. things so far I've, I've written that's, loads of that's stuff why I've been deeply before, frustrated but... is, is the one art, the one the one issue I actually want to get is the one that's not appeared on my doorstep <laughs> yeah that's crazy that's a shocking yeah shocking turn of events from Whistle but it sounds like not we're going to get there which is good yeah just maybe not till after Christmas because of all the post and all that shit yeah but yeah I guess that, I guess that's that's everything for me next up we're going to have I think we've decided it's going to be Max Payne because we have a a real not real anniversary approaching or have we missed it? Yeah, it's another one of my classic anniversary blunders classic winner is you isms in that we think we have an anniversary turns out absolutely not I, I, 
I can't remember what website I looked at to get these dates, but I'm never looking at it again. I'm just going... <laughs> For 2022, I just went into Wikipedia and did it that way and just found like proper dates, yeah. like specific, not like one of these ones where it's like, here's all the games having an anniversary this year. Because we we ended up doing, what did I say we ended up doing? The US Xbox port of Max Payne we've managed to, it was what I'd got for the date of what it. I thought was 20 it. years there's of no Max Payne. Port, there's no other, no other release important about this game. It's, it's the version I played, so... It's the best it's version. Right. I think I think by twenty twenty one standards it's the best version. I played through the PlayStation version and yours was definitely superior to mine. Well, yeah. I don't know if the PC version's good. It probably is. It's but... always better, I guess, with these retro games because you can just sort of brute force save states into these things, can't you? Which is what I, I did with the quick saves, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, that was we've missed that already anyway, because that was the twelfth of December. No. So we fucked the whole thing. Fuck it. you we've got it coming next um if if you're not if you're listening to this podcast you can also watch us on youtube if you want to see my croaky voice in person and oh yeah david has, has manned up and done this podcast <laughs> off the back of a flu that he briefly thought was covid so yeah if you want to props say to david i'm glad i could talk to save your voice some effort <laughs> exactly 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 you've you've saved me if you want to send us an email and we'll we'll answer your email on the podcast, you can send it to winnersupodcast at gmail.com. Our YouTube channel is a winners you podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at David Smiley One, S M I L L I E, or you can follow Alex at Super Thrillix, S U P E R T H R I L L E X, or you can just go straight to the source and follow the Winners You Pod on Twitter, which is at a winner is you pod also thank you to goombastomp.com for hosting us and putting us on your website we very much appreciate it and i guess that brings us to the end of episode 28 so with all that in the bag i have been david he has been alex we have been a runner's you and i'm out keep gaming <laughs>